Hey guys, it's uh, Rolling for Change once again. This is going to go down as my existential gaming summer, and you'll probably see that in the next few episodes of Rolling for Change. But just had a lot of like moments of, I don't know what you would call it, just kind of experiences of gaming in an existential sense. And uh, you'll really hear it in the next episode after this one, but uh, this one right here is uh, a chance for Susie, Brian, Ginger, and myself to talk about our experience at the amazing Dice Tower Con 2019. So that's what's coming up here, and uh, you'll hopefully get a flavor for what it's like to be at Dice Tower Con, which, uh, as I said in the show, and I'll say it now, I hope you guys join us on whatever con trip we do next year, because we would love to... uh, meet with you guys and talk with you and, and uh, especially, you know, talk about your experiences rolling for change. You know, that's become my nomenclature for talking about therapeutic and transformative situations in, in board games. Is it, That's your rolling for change moment. And uh, here in this show, we'll talk a little bit about our rolling for change moments at, at Dice Tower Con. So uh, sit back and relax. Enjoy this episode uh, of Rolling for Change. And... Uh, in, in the words of some immortal person, away we go. I think it was Jackie Gleason. Was Jackie Gleason. Welcome to Rolling for Change, a podcast about the transformative nature of board games, role-playing games, LARPs, video games, any kind of game you can think of. Yes, sports, I guess. We can talk about sports sometime in the future. Hi, my name is Woody Harris, and I am joined by three wonderful co-hosts, Brian Peace. Hi, and I cannot speak intelligently about sports at all. That's perfect. Ginger Peace. Hi. And Susie Harris. Hi. Sports Hi are blah. guys. Oh, actually, no. Sports aren't blah. Olympic sports? Fabulous. Everything else? Ugh. Oh, in Quidditch. So, look, we, we, if we're going to allow that people geek out about things, we're going to have to allow that other people's geek is just as important as our geek. All right. If you love sports, that's awesome. There just, you go. I won't well, have anything to contribute unless you're talking about the Olympics. Like I said, I, I'm not bad-mouthing about sports. I'm just stating the simple fact that I cannot speak intelligently on that that's, subject. That's fair. I have no idea. I still <laughs> love baseball, and there's a little 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy in me that wants to play baseball still. There, I said it. I'm out of the closet. I love hockey because it's amazing what they can do with those sticks. <laughs> I have been to I've been to a live hockey game once and it was thoroughly entertaining. The game I didn't pay any attention to. Whenever someone got sent to the um to the penalty penalty, penalty box, box, they always play some kind of funny song. Like the first person sent there with their by themselves and they played Lonesome Loser. I was like, that's <laughs> just so funny. And every time someone got sent to the penalty box, they played some just snarky awesome song that just kind of made fun of them and i was entertained as hell by that the game didn't really impress me and the fights the fights that got started were really entertaining but other than that oh 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 one sport that i that i do really love to watch 
boxing. I don't know why, but I like watching two people beat the snot out of each other. Fancy. That explains this a is... lot about you, Brian. Mm. Shh. Don't tell people <laughs> about that stuff. That's private. All right. So we are not here to talk about sports today whatsoever. <laughs> We are here to talk about our trip to Orlando and our experiences at the Dice Tower Con 2019. Yay! We all, the four of us just got back from, actually everybody just got back, everybody just got back from Dice Tower Con, uh, everybody that went anyway, and uh, we thought that it would be a good idea to talk about our experience at Dice Tower Con because this is one of my favorite cons ever. And I, I don't know if that if that ranks that high for other people here on the podcast, but uh, for me, it's it's uh, it's like my the biggest con that I'll call my home con. That's that's all I know how to explain it. Uh, Dice Tower Con is a convention put on by the folks at Dice Tower. So if you listen to our show, surely you must be aware of the Dice Tower. But if you're not, please go check out the Dice Tower uh, podcast <coughs> website video series on YouTube, whatever have you, um, to find out more about how they promote and evangelize this amazing hobby that we're involved in. Uh, but this is one of the ways they do that. They grab this big convention center in Orlando, and I don't know, maybe 3,000, 4,000 of us get together and play games all weekend for five or six days. Some of us set for seven if you get there before the con starts. So... Uh, just uh, we'll just talk about general dice tower reflections here at first, and then after that we'll get a little deeper into the experience. But uh, who wants to talk about their their overall view of of dice tower? I like it because I see a lot of people that I've met over the years. We how long we have we been going now, Brian? Four, four years. years. Is it uh, four years now? We've been going mm-hmm. dice tower con for four, four years. years. Yep, four years. Yep, wow. and it was. I think the first year we, we started, it was like only 1500 Then it's gone to like 2500 Now it's at, is it 3000 I think 3, it's at 3000 or more right this now. This year yeah. it was 3000 I think next year they're opening up to, I think, 5000 Nope. No. Nope. Nope. Sadly. They have, uh, you need to watch. They are changing things immensely. Oh, okay. Yeah, this, this may wrong. be, hopefully this is uh, an evolution in the right direction, but um, it's splitting into two different cons. And well... we'll Okay, so what happened is Tom, Tom has decided that he wants to take over the the organization and the running of of Dice Tower, and is calling it Dice Tower East because they already do a Dice Tower West con. Oh. Right, right. It's going to be at a different hotel. Yeah. And they're going to limit it to eighteen hundred tickets. And yeah. they are. Wait. Yep. Dice Tower West. When did, was that ever a thing? That's it's been it going was for a couple a thing of years. Last, uh, uh, no, it just started last year. Last year, and okay. it was in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah. During I think the fall last year. Yeah. Um, so it will be only eighteen hundred tickets. The they're taking away a lot of the non board gaming focus. So like the RPG stuff, there's not going to be any RPG stuff official. RPG stuff and all that other stuff. They want to put, make it a really truly gaming con. Like you're just focused on playing board games, oh. and they're they're going to take away a lot of the other stuff. And so the library that they're going to use is the same library that they use for Dice Tower West and for the uh, the board game cruise that they do, the Dice Tower cruise that they do, and all that. 
All so, these things make me uncomfortable, so right. we're not going to spend much time talking no, about it. But but so because the way the Dice Tower, the one that we know, has been run by uh, Patrick Havert yep. and his crew. Yep. Um, and so they are no longer going to be associated with it. So they are going to be creating their own con that they want to do in the wintertime. Ooh. Same hotel. They're going to still use the Carib, and it's it's going to be and they're they're going to have the same library that we're used to because it's it's Patrick's library basically that he brings. Oh, see, so I was we're going to end up with two different cons. I was under the impression they said they were going to move it because they wanted to make it bigger. Nope. Because no, Tom is it taking to make it, it over. Smaller. Yeah, it's going to the well, Florida Hotel is is where it's going. Oh, which is. Right beside the Florida Mall, so there's going to be a whole bunch of um, food court area, and there's more parking because it's got a, the food court, the the mall parking deck there as well. So I'm with Woody. It is make that makes me a little uncomfortable, but you know, yep. at the same time, who's to say that it might be, you know, just as great as the other one? But I really like it because I see people that I, ha- I haven't seen in a year, and I've made friends just at this con only. And I see everybody, and it's great to, to meet up with everybody. And also, I see print friends that are local here that I don't even get to see until Dice Tower Con. Mm, that's true. So, I really enjoy it for that reason. Um, I, I play a lot of board games, and you could play games that you don't even own because it's got a huge collection. This year was a little lighter than it was last year. It did seem that way. But... Um, it could have choose. also it could have also been lighter because there were more people checking out the game, so there were so, a bunch of games we never got to see. Yeah, that is possible. Well, okay, last year they had more carts than they had this year. I remember that, so I think it was lighter, but mm. um, but I'm not one hundred percent sure. And um, just you know, getting up early in the morning and then just meeting up with people that you've never met before to play a board game. And just meeting people. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Susie? What do you What did you think of Dice Tower this year? I liked it. Um, it, it was. I got to to spend some good time with people, um, and there are people that we only see when we're there. Um, so you know, I've got a few friends that we met at Dice Tower. That this is the only place we see them, and it's just like a homecoming and a and a family kind of reunion kind of thing, which is really nice. Um, so getting to see them is always a treat. It's just a wonderful thing. Um, and I love that pool at the, at the Carib. It is, it is a nice pool. Oh, I love swimming in that pool. And so, and it's a, it's a chance for me and our son to, to have some time together. That's just us two. And we, we have, we thoroughly enjoy it when we go. Um, and I don't know, this year was a little bittersweet for me just because I got sick with the con crud in the middle of it. So, so I missed out on Saturday's gaming pretty much. I think I played one game and then I went back to bed and, and spent the whole rest of the day in bed. And then we left the next day. So it was that was a little sad for me. But other than that, I really enjoyed getting to play and stay up as late as I wanted to. But then when I was ready to go to bed, I could just walk across the way and go back to my bed and just pass out. And it's, to me, that is like the ultimate luxury is being able to, to game, 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 go to bed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so I had a good time. All right. So um, I guess I'll go next. Uh, Dice Tower Con is a really special con to me. My experience at Dice Tower Con is, as Susie was saying, we have friends that we only see at Dice Tower Con. And so they're like our Dice Tower family. And the the reason that I become uncomfortable with a change in the lineup or a change in the organization or any kind of change that we're talking about is because we're talking about splitting up a group of people, potentially. And I don't like that. That makes me unhappy because I, I've got one friend who I only, he comes from Israel, so there's not even a chance to see him but once a year. And then other friends who live very deep South Florida that I, I wouldn't get to see otherwise also. So, um, And plus I make new friends every year, so I, I can't imagine, you know, everything's going to move, evolve, and grow, and I get it. Things got to change. And, you know, I'm sitting here in a uh, nearly packed house uh, ready to move into a new house. So I know change has to come. I get it. But Dice Tower is really special to me. And it's special to me because of... Uh, in terms of con environment, this is the one place that I've found that I feel most at home in a large con setting. So, you know, I've only been to one other big large con, and that was Gen Con. This is a much different con than Gen Con, and I'm not sure how it compares to Origins, but my experience of it is it's like a homecoming. It's like, uh, it's like Spider-Man Far From Home and Spider-Man Homecoming all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Without, you know, without really big, bad, evil demons that make things seem like they're not really happening or happening and not happening. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. We saw we saw, we saw, saw Spider-Man while we were down in Orlando, so it, it ties in together with all this. So that that's my feelings about Dice Tower Con. It, it's a really special place, and I, I you know, I, I actually, uh, I adore the people from Dice Tower. <laughs> I just do. Um, I, I know that people have their critical takes on some of the people that run Dice Tower, but I... I'm very happy with all of them. So, and, and getting to see those guys on a regular basis, say hi, and even just tell them thanks for throwing such a great party is very meaningful to me. So that that's my take on Dice Tower this year. I, I have deeper stuff to talk about, but we'll get into that in, in a minute here. What about you, Brian? Okay. So my experience over the years with Dice Tower Con has been the same every year until this year. Um, just, you know, full disclosure, I have lived 47 years now with undiagnosed bipolar depression. Um, so I don't have the bipolar high and low. I have just the bipolar low extreme depression, um, which along with my general social anxiety, which does not skew toward one-on-one -on -one interaction, which is where I thrive, but on huge crowd interaction, this would, this convention was hell on wheels for me. I have hated it every year I've gone. Um, I enjoy going in and gaming for short amounts of time. Then I have to retreat to the, to the hotel room and just decompress sometimes for four or five hours at a time. So it just feels like a lot of wasted time and effort to me. This last year, um, my doctor diagnosed me and put me on, um, a medication Cymbalta, uh, that has, really dramatically helped me a lot. Um, I haven't had any of the extreme depressions, any of the um, ideation issues I used to have. Um, and I went to Dice Tower Con this year just dreading it. 
because I, I didn't realize that it was going to have this big of an impact on me. But it's Ginger's birthday. This is her birthday present every year. And she looks forward to it so much. And I never until this year told her how I really felt about it because I'm not going to steal her birthday con from her. Um, and before we go, I usually get to go to a couple different local cons. So I get my fun in. It's not like I don't. Um, and it wasn't ever a huge deal to me as long as I could just go hide someplace for a while. This year, I spent very little time in the in the room. I spent most of my time out gaming and socializing and just having a general blast. Um, we're now working on my OCD issues with a different medication that's trying to calm my nervous tics down. So that's a whole other you know ball game, but it has no impact on my my anxiety. So my social anxiety, as far as large groups of people, is pretty much ebbing off to the point where it's manageable. I'm back to where I was whenever I was much younger, where whenever I'm in a large group of people, I tend to be very quiet until I get a feel for the room. Um, other than that, I haven't had any panic attacks at the convention. I was able to interact really nicely with people and just overall had a great time for the first time in four years. Excellent. I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to have a good experience this time around. Um, I knew you, you had, you had uh, struggled with some stuff in previous times, and I, I really didn't even... I really didn't even chalk it up to social anxiety. I just chalked it up to your diagnosis and the challenges that you faced with that. And so um, I didn't realize that it was uh, related to large crowds. But either way, I'm just happy that you were able to have a good time at my favorite con. <laughs> well, it, over the years, people have known I suffer from depression, but almost no one really knew how severe it was because I keep myself to myself and don't discuss it very much. Um, Ginger knew how severe it was, but she didn't know that it was kicking off my social anxiety because at Dice Tower Con, I tried to hide it as much as possible because the last thing I would ever do is ruin her birthday. So, you know, this year I told her, she said, why didn't you tell me we wouldn't have come? I said, because we wouldn't have come. <laughs> you would have tried to take care of me as much as you could, and you would have just opted not to go. And I personally couldn't have that on my conscience. So I also want to take a moment, Brian, and just honor you for being uh, so open about your diagnosis and your, you know, your willingness to share that with people. I think is really important because a lot of times we don't talk about uh, mental health in a way that is just normalizing, which uh, everybody goes through shit. So yeah, and and we all need to talk about going through shit because that way we're we're in shared space and we're able to sort of address things in a more group consciousness way rather than being isolated and so uh, I, I really appreciate that you're willing to talk about that no problem it's it, it really has been something that I'm pretty open about um, unlike I mean I've known a lot of people who haven't been and I go out of my way a lot of the times to be open about the fact that I suffered from depression etc but it never occurred to me that I was bipolar depressive because bipolar in my brain was always extreme highs, extreme lows until my psychiatrist explained it to me and said, no, you're a different style. And then whenever he explained OCD to me, I said, I have minor weirdness issues that I've always looked at, but I always thought there are people whose lives are seriously impacted by OCD. And I never wanted to even jokingly say I was OCD a lot of the time because it felt like it was an insult to them. And he told me, well, there are grades of that too. And your version of OCD 
does not diminish other people's. You just have a lower grade than other people. So he said, you, you just need to own the fact that you have this and just also own the fact that some people are more severe than you. I'm like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. That's, that's an acceptable explanation to me. I think we're all fighting demons and it's just important to talk about that. And that, that's even why Rolling for Change exists because we fight demons not just on the table, but in person and across the table. So it's, uh, like I said, I'm really glad you talked about it. So when you guys think about the con, um, you know, just kind of do a roundtable discussion of what were your favorite experiences at the con and what made them favorite experiences. I had the opportunity to play, like I said, more games than I've ever played at this con before. Yeah. Um, and I... I would say every single one of my gaming experiences this con was positive, except maybe for one. And it still had its positive because I got to play the game with someone who I really like um, and admire. Um, and that was Arboretum. I used to have this game and I traded it off ages ago, but I hadn't played it in a while. And someone suggested it, one of my very good friends. And... I was very happy to play a game with him. So we sit down and played it. And I remembered why I traded this game off. (laughs) It's a game about making an, an arboretum. It's a game about making a, a garden of trees, basically. Right. You get to be a dicks to each other. with Yes. I'm like, (laughs) it sounds like such a, it sounds like such a pleasant, such a, you know, kind, gentle, you know, you're, planting trees and you're playing different varieties of trees and the game is so pretty and then you start to play it and you're like wow you everybody's such a jackass to each other in this game it's just one of the meanest games i've played in a while and the idea of that feel from a game that generated this other emotion in me whenever i set it up just was too conflicting with me i've had games where you're complete jerks to each other but the game advertises that right up front and says, you're going to be jerks to each other in this game. Um, God, Cutthroat Caverns is like that, where you're all adventurers, you're all working together, but in the end, only one person gets the most glory. And you kind of have to be um, not mean to each other, but kind of low-key mean to each other where someone goes to take a swipe at the bad guy and you know they're going to get the last hit, so they're going to get all the all the fame points, and you play a card that says, oh, you slipped. That's too bad. Aw. Oh, my turn next. I'm going to hit him for the last hit. And someone says, oh, you dropped your sword. Oh, that's terrible. And they play a card that makes you drop your sword. And it's kind of not directly mean, but low-key mean to each other but it comes right up on the box and says this is a game where you're going to be complete jerks to each other as long as i go into the game understanding that fact i'm good with it now on the other hand um we played a game that i really didn't think i was going to like and another one of our friends who i met through woody suggested it and went out and bought it himself good critters Oh, yeah, Good Critters. I, I was listening to the explanation of that game going, this game is, oh, God, I don't want to play this. It's a, it's kind of a social game. It's a bluffing game. And I thought this game's going to be, a, a, you know, just a dud. But I really like this guy enough that I decided I, I, w- I will give it a shot for his sake. And I had so much fun playing Good Critters. If you've ever played 
uh, cashing guns, yeah. you've, you basically play good critters without the guns pointing each other's faces. Yeah. You take your character. That's cool. Yeah, you you take your character and you put it. You can put it in front of someone, and threaten them. And you have cards that you play face down, and it's either going to be you vote yes for the current uh, Godfather to stay the Godfather, or you play a card that votes no for them, or you can play a game that says you're going play a card that says you're going to rob them. They have the opportunity if they see your character in front of them of playing a guard card, which stops you from robbing them. They could also play, um, what was the other one? It was um, skim card where you skim, skim off the top. You skim off the top so you and, get, grab a little bit of extra cash for yourself it's a, if it's available. However, the first person to play a skim card gets to skim, and no that's one right. else to play a skim card gets to skim after that. So if three or four people skim, only one person got to skim, and that's the first person oh, in the sequence. That's not cool. No, it is really cool. Because what you do is you take your character, put it in front of the first person who gets to play a card, and threaten them. Huh. That way, they're either if they play a skim, they run the risk that you're going to rob them. Mm. And if you rob them, they have to shuffle up their their uh, their loot cards they've gotten, and you get to draw a random one out of their set. So you could get uh. one of the big ones or one of the little ones. They don't know what you're going to get. However, they could if it's a good enough bit of loot. They can choose to, if you skim, you draw one off the top of the deck and you get whatever's there. So it's a randomized thing. Mm -hmm. They could draw this, they could draw more than you stole from them. It might be worth it. Mm -hmm. However, if three people drop their characters in front of them, <laughs> yeah. Now they have to really, really now they have to really think is even if they all rob him, he loses, they lose three cards out of their deck. And I, owned that game and oh after my the, god yes you did i i think i had double the highest person's score like 20 20 uh, so much more than the highest person they were like i got 50 i got 30 i got 40 i got about 80 <laughs> okay but let's be clear there was a table of about eight of us in this yeah. game and this game is more than anything it's about personal influence over other people and Brian commandingly created chaos in a way that left everybody in a space of being uncertain about their own choices. And while that sounds like that would be really stressful or really terrible, in a more serious game it might be. But if you think of sort of the things that you do in like Sheriff of Nottingham and Cash and Guns, that's going on to an nth degree and it's just, it's chaos unfolding. Now, there's a little bit of rolling for change moments in there for me, and I, I can talk about those in a minute. But um, the game itself, it, it's just a fantastic chaos creator. It's just, a, it's, I don't even know how to explain, except that Brian knew exactly how to move the chess pieces in that game and well, exactly how to manipulate people's emotional reactions to situations such that he masterfully took a lot of money. I am, like I said, I'm a teacher. My primary thing is I can read a room full of people and know how to, in so, in most cases, manipulate them. It it sounds bad, and if I Ooh, were to turn, if I were to nah. turn myself to evil, I would be dangerous. <laughs> but what I do is I'm sitting there playing the game and I throw some random elements at people and see how they react to them. Who reacts with caution? Who reacts by throwing caution to the wind? who can read what I'm going to do and who can't. And if I decide that the majority of people cannot read what my intentions are, what I'm going to do, I am going to win the game. 
Pretty and much. So what I do is I sow discord. I turn people against each other. Yes. And I let people second guess me constantly because every time I, I can put down a guy in front of the right person and I have a card and I already know what I'm going to play. And I put it down. Then they change. Then they see what I'm doing and think, oh, God, what I, they take their cards back in their hand and change their mind about what I'm going to do. Sometimes I take the card back up in front of me, pretend to shuffle the cards and put down a different card, but I'm putting down the same card. They just don't know that. Or sometimes I put down a completely different card. I can change my mind, but I read how the, how I think they're going to play and I can play against that. Sometimes it doesn't work for me, just like any gambler. Sometimes their gambit doesn't work for them. But in games like this, it works for me more often than it doesn't. In early game, it doesn't work for me as often. But as I play the game more, I start to figure out how people function, and then they have no chance. <laughs> yeah, let, let me... So here's my rolling for change piece about this. Let me make it clear. Brian is the Monty Hall of robbing people. And... Uh, I felt like a little kid in that game because I did not know what the hell was going on at any given point. And his addition of chaos by saying, I'll pay you this much to vote this way, and then saying to somebody else, I'll pay you this much to vote this other way, it was just chaos creating. And so the my own personal lack of, of uh, self-confidence in that game was very obvious to me because I started to think, I don't know what the hell's going on here. I don't know how to get through this. The The joy in it was just trying to figure out how do I manipulate myself in such a way as to present a question mark to other people. And I'm not good at it. I'm a very hard-on-my-sleeve sort of guy. And so when it comes to trying to, to uh, allay other people's suspicions or to surreptitiously do something or, or play a sneak attack or anything like that, I just suck at it. And <laughs> so that was my rolling for change moment is I'm realizing how bad I suck at this because Brian is doing so well at it that if it weren't for the fact that it was so damned entertaining and so amazing, um, I would have felt very sheepish <laughs> in my skin. Yeah, one of the players said, well, you never got to be the godfather. I said, who the hell? Uh, no, I think Brian got to be the godfather. I said, who the hell wants to be the godfather? You can be King Arthur, or you can be Mordred, or you can be Merlin pulling the strings behind everything. Who really got out the best in the King Arthur stories in general? Until he got locked away because someone realized what he was doing. It's the person behind the scenes who ends up winning more than the people who are the, the forefront. The Godfather gets aimed at a lot. It's the guy who's pulling everyone's strings that ends up winning. Yeah. So, uh, once again, the name of the game is Good Critters, and it's one of the Dice Tower Essentials is right up there with Sheriff of Nottingham, which it actually fits in that whole, like, if you look at these are the things that Tom Vassell and the team think are really, people are going to love this, it fits perfectly in that genre. It's a neat little game. I appreciated it. All right, anyone else? Ladies? I'll go next. Okay. Um, it's kind of a playoff of what Brian was doing. Um we played Zularetto. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> um, oh, my God. It is a cute little game with all these little animals, and you have 
you put them you put them in their um, little fences in their little areas and then if you run out of fences because um, you only put one type of animal per fence if you run out then you have to put them in your barn and you can either sell them or you can hope somebody buys them or you can swap off um, swap out the um, the the closures with to your barn and um, it's about drawing tiles and you put them on their um, is it carts is that what it is carts or boats is carts you put them carts. on, on trucks. carts trucks they're trucks. trucks trucks okay and you load them up and you you want to make it good for you but you don't want to make it good for anybody else because by the time you, it gets to your turn it'll already be taken um, you want to make it where um, if someone has needs one more zebra you want to make sure they have two zebras <laughs> at the very end of the turn. <laughs> or you, or you want to make sure that the two zebras can mate and have and then a you baby. Have three zebras. Uh -huh. Or if they really want those zebras, but you know they're not working on flamingos, you drop a flamingo on there. And right. oh, hey, look, I'm not working on zebras, but I really need these two flamingos. So if you want to take my flamingos, knock yourself out to get your one little zebra. <laughs> But now, I, we did kind of get the rules wrong. Uh, it's been so long since we played. We didn't realize that um, to get the, the, the bottom points that at the very end, it's um, if you only have like a certain amount, you can only get, you get one point a piece for them. But if you don't have one of the carts or their vending carts. Yeah, because every, every section has vending carts associated with them that, you, that are part of the collecting that you do. So if you don't have the, the cart to put on that section, then you don't get any points associated with that besides the main points, which only two people get. So, yeah. Yeah, we found that out the we hard We found that way. out at the end. Well, we just calculated the points without considering that rule anyway, so it would have worked out to be, you know, it would have worked out to some people's benefits, but we just decided to scrap No, I didn't. That. Oh, no, I calculated <laughs> without that. I thought we were playing by the rules. Well, we were playing by we the were playing rules by the that rules we, we understood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after the fact, <laughs> we know now that you're supposed to have a cart to get the, the lower no. points. Yeah. I got it. Okay. But we had a great time, and um, it was... We were all not nice to each other. Oh, no. No, this was, was another game of controlled chaos. This was chaos. so cutthroat and mean. And, and, but there was so much laughter and cackling. And it was, it was fun being mean to each other. Yes. That was the point. <laughs> yes. With those cute, sweet animals. Yes. It's and a children's cute, sweet game. games that'll get you. <laughs> and that's my favorite on, on um, the con. Okay. As far as Ginger goes, by the way... <clears throat> she she doesn't think about this because it's something she's working on, but Ginger used to really resist teaching people games. Yeah. Because she sometimes has trouble with her words, like we've discussed before on the show. And she made a point several times of teaching games. And she's getting did a good better. Job. She's getting better and better it's at hard. it every single time. And I've enjoyed watching that transformation of her gathering more confidence at teaching games and honestly becoming much better at it. So Ginger, so. did you make a conscious effort to, to teach more games at this con? Um, 
No, I just, if there was a sign up and somebody said they needed a teacher, um, I taught. And, um, but I did teach a lot more games at this con. You did? Oh, really? So whenever you sat down to teach a game and I said, do you want me to teach this? And you said, no, I got it. That's what we call a conscious effort, young lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm that's, that's really great that you're stretching yourself because I think that's, that's one of the important things is uh, finding your edge and pushing it just a little bit mm-hmm. further. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so my favorite was Ginger and I were wandering around in the vendor room, um, which is, you know, it's a room where all the board game vendors set up and you can demo their games and, and that sort of thing and sometimes buy stuff from them. So we stumbled across um, Century New World, which is a <clears throat> the third game in a series that this company was doing. And... So it's a set collection. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a hard thing, hard thing to describe with Century. It's not the area control. It's one. not area control. No. Oh, oh, oh. No. Isn't this one a worker placement? Yeah, this is the worker placement. But the it's whole, an in, it's the, an engine building game. But the concept of Century, the way that it, it traditionally is, is it's a deck builder building an engine to take. Um, these cubes or, or or gems, depending on which version you're doing, and you are upgrading them to a different level so that you can then turn around and buy these cards that have victory points on them. And you you know the person with the most victory points wins. So this version of it takes that concept and takes the the deck building piece out of it and makes it into a um, worker placement. It makes it into a little board game with meeples that you put on and you do the same actions but you have a board um so i was intrigued and ginger was intrigued so we were like yeah let's try this and, and you know they're doing the demo and there was a couple standing there looking at it too and so when the guy came up and said do you guys want to play all four of us were like yeah so we all sat down and by the end of the game we had two new friends which is really fun so the couple is lives in florida and they're very lovely people and we really enjoyed meeting them and so we ended up getting into a game afterward with them. And I got to teach the wife Wingspan, which is one of my favorite games. Um, And then we met another friend of theirs who came and the husband was in an RPG, but, um, but another friend joined us and I got to teach Wingspan and and taught her a new game that she would then want that she had just bought, but didn't know how to play. So it was really fun to, to break in her new game by teaching it to her. And so it was nice to, to learn a new game that, that now I want to buy, by the way. And with Century New World, and also meet two people that that we can I kind of consider friends now, and I look forward to seeing them again at another um, Dice Tower Con, basically. So that was my favorite thing. That was my favorite moment. I think we had a great time, and it was so much fun playing with them. And uh, yeah, the fact that I won Wingspan was nice too, but that was beside the point. <laughs> She owned it. <laughs> what can I say? I love that game. It, it's so hard for me to talk about my favorite experience at the con because I feel like, in retrospect, it looked like it just flew by. Like it just, it was there mm-hmm. and then it was gone. And and that's something that I'd like to get to in just a bit here. But the, the memory that I have that was, I guess, well, I'll, I'll we'll talk about favorite game, really, because that's the best way to go. Favorite game of the con was something really simple. Um, it was Ganshan Clever, which is um, it's this uh, roll and write game 
that um, I forget who creates it, but it, it's done by Stronghold for for America. It, it's some other some other uh, maker in in Germany, Germany. or something. But uh, it's it's just a very simple roll and write game, and it's got some really interesting dynamics. You wouldn't think you could create sort of an engine in a roll and write, but the way that this thing is made, you can create an engine. And so I think it's a little bit all wrapped in one. It was a really relaxing moment for me. I was getting to see some people that I don't get to see very often and play a game with them. And I had just played a uh, maybe a three or four hour game of Teotihuacan, maybe. Um, so uh, it just stood as a contrast to everything. And uh, and it was the one game that I sort of had a quest for at the con. Like, i got to find this game. i got to get this game. Now it's available on the App Store in uh, in iOS, so if you want it, you can get it really easily. But uh, in terms of finding the actual boxed game at the con, I couldn't find it anywhere, so it became more of a quest to find out more about this game. Um, you know, it's not a particularly complex game. There are some neat things you can do. You roll, you do the same thing where you roll the dice three times. That's a pretty normal thing for these roll and writes, and um, if you circle certain things, like you roll the dice and you pick the dice that's going to mean something, there are things where you could put it on a spot where it will give you a plus one so you can later on look at somebody's roll and say, okay, I'm going to plus one this and take that roll also for yourself. Or you get the chance to just place a random six or a random X somewhere on the board that you need to in order to move it along. So you can do these chains where you get it to the point where you put the, the, you put the number or the X down on one spot and it'll tell you to put an X or a number down on another spot, and it'll tell you to put an X or a number down on another spot, and you can just kind of chain things together, and it, that feels really good when you're just sitting there, whoop to doop oh, and look, I get to do that, and look, I get to do that. So it, in that sense, it was really um, it was really interesting because you have these moments of like, ah, it's like uh, a, a really powerful moment if you can do something. And I, I think maybe eventually you start to see the matrix, and you can kind of, do it a little more easily, but at the at the start, trying to figure it out, it was very intriguing and different for me. So, and it's mostly a um, a personal solitaire kind of game with a little bit of interaction with others because they're choosing the dice that you're going to get during their turn. But it was still it was still a fascinating game. And now I'm I'm on a quest to play uh, the one that's called Twice as Clever, which is part two of Ganshan Clever. Um, I think it's Doppelt, so clever, something like that. Um, but that one even has different dynamics that I, I look forward to checking out. But that, I, as simple as that little game is, you know, it's probably the least complex game I played at the con. But that is my favorite game that I played at the convention the entire time. If you're looking for it um, elsewhere, the English translation is "That's pretty clever." That's it, right there. Yeah, and it's uh, by Wolfgang Varsh. There we go. Good old Vukong Vukong Wars. I can't even say his name. So we've talked about favorite experiences, but what I really wanted to get into, and the reason that this is a Rolling for Change episode, is I wanted to talk about the moments that rolled for change. And so this is my new nomenclature for talking about games that make us reflect on something, games that transform us, games that sort of pit us against ourselves or put us in a place of self-reflection that results in a sense of change or a sense of something new is happening. You know, you're, you're, you're hitting that edge like you want to, like Ginger was talking about. I mean, maybe she didn't make a conscious effort on purpose, but she was working on trying to teach more games. That is a rolling for change moment. And so 
I wanted to go around and just kind of talk about if you guys had experiences at the convention that were role for change moments. Uh, let's start with the way I address the con. And this will explain why my voice is deep right now. The way I addressed the con was like, I'm at a smorgasbord, the food's going to be gone soon, and I've got to eat as much of the damn food as I can before it goes away. And that sounds like the way you would hit Disney. That sounds like the way you would hit Universal. That, that is the way that you hit something that is a limited quantity and you're, you're, you're trying to grab up all the life out of it that you can and, and try to live the best existence in that moment that you can. But here's what happens. By not taking a step back, by not, by not following a regimen of self-care, by not listening to internal dialogue that says you really need to take a break, I push myself too far. Um, you know, there's rules at Dice Tower. They say they want you to get two meals a day, six hours of sleep, and a shower a day. And those are good rules, I think. I don't know if I got the six hours a day every time. So I'm, I'm spending time with multiple people. I'm not taking care of myself. I'm eating really terrible food most of the time. In fact, that's one thing I would say that Dice Tower really lacks. The food really sucks at Dice Tower Con. Unless you leave the building, leave the building. Um, but you know we're we're gamers and we're like, where's the next one? And we're in the middle of one game and we're already planning the next one. And that and that's sort of the the chip eating sort of philosophy we have in games at conventions most of the time is that we're going to just continue to eat the next chip, even though one chip's in our mouth, there's another chip in our hand, and there's a bag in front of us. Never fully experiencing any of the chips because all our goal is is to get as many chips as possible. This is not a healthy way for me to address a convention. And I doubt that it's a healthy way for anybody else to address a convention. And it doesn't mean I didn't have a good time because I had a fantastic time. I am still in love with Dice Tower. But I recognized that I did not take care of myself. And so it, it was. There, there's a lot of stressors going on here. So this adds to it and it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't address a con in this sort of um, YOLO sort of way where you get what you want out of the con as quickly as you can. But if you add to that the stress of getting ready to make a move from our house and also the stress of coming back to an audit where I work and the fact that I'm not getting enough sleep and the fact that I'm rushing around trying to play every game that I want to and the fact that I'm trying to catch up with all these people and then I had the added stress put on myself that I really wanted to do some some rolling for change research, and I didn't do it uh, because I addressed it as this is my vacation. Why would I do that? And that was a mistake also to me. Um, so just that coming back home and getting con crud, and and for those who go to conventions, you know what this is. Con crud is that that someone's patient zero comes in, our immunities are 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 depleted by the fact that we're pushing ourselves so hard, and that we come into contact with that that cold virus, that flu, whatever it might be, and we get attacked and we're, our defenses are not ready. You know, we're not really playing. We may be playing the games on the table, but we're not playing the take care of ourselves game very well. Um, and so I, I did that. And I have a cold right now as a result of it. And so while I may not have been able to avoid it, may it, it may have just been inevitable that I would have gotten a cold, I think it was because of the way I addressed the con itself. And I guess for me, it the reflection is that I've got to start doing a little better job with self-care 
and not assuming that I have to bleed the con dry because no matter what, I will always miss something and the best I can do is make every moment meaningful as opposed to creating a quantity of moments. So that's my number one of my experiences that I thought rolled for change. And just to be clear, people always say, well, these gaming cons or dragon cons. stuff." I've been to professional conventions that I went to for a weekend. Anytime you get together a couple thousand people in one place, it becomes one huge Petri dish. Trust me, as a teacher, we are well aware of this fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, mine's along the same line as Woody. Um, because I, I'm the one that gave him the con crud, unfortunately. You got con crud at the con. At the con. <laughs> well, and here's why I think I got it. And it's because I had already been running myself ragged before the, the vacation with all of the house stuff. Um, there is a control freak part of me that needs to own a project. And the finding a house and getting all of that done kind of... Uh, I took I, I took it and I ran with it, which was good. It needed to be done, but um, I, I was not so good with sharing my stress level with Woody. As in, yes, I'm getting all of this stuff done and I'm doing it all, but it's also stressing me out beyond compare. Part of it was because I knew that he was already stressed out with work, and I didn't want to add anything to his plate. But at the same time, I was. I think I was pretty much doing all of the work for it and I needed to be able to hand some of that off to him. So, um, I actually had a breakdown at, <laughs> in the middle of vacation, I had a breakdown about it because of some insurance, some home insurance stuff that went on and I, I just lost my crap. I totally just lost it. <laughs> and Woody's just standing there and he's like, okay, so what do I need to do? Uh, and so I just said, okay, you just need to take it. Just take it and go with it. I don't need to deal with this anymore. Please. Please. So I just gave it to him. And I said, here you go. I am not thinking about the house stuff anymore this week. I am going on vacation. Now, that's not true. I continued to think about the house stuff. <laughs> but, but, but it was less. There was less stress that I felt because I gave that to him. And he did a great job, by the way. Thank God you took it over. <laughs> we got a we got a great home insurance deal, so I'm really excited about that. But anyway, um, <clears throat> but it was important because it, it kind of for me. But that after that moment it was kind of when the concrete stuff started happening, and it was I it's because I was bottling up all of that stress inside of me, and even on my vacation I couldn't let it go. So. I had the experience of having to let it go forced upon me because my body and my, my brain just sort of went, okay, we're done. You can't obviously treat us properly. So we're going to force you to do this. So, and thank you to Woody for being there in that moment and saying, okay, I'll take it. What do you need? Just give it to me. So. That yeah. I didn't my... mean the con crud also. That, that wasn't it. part of the deal. There was no, I'll do Sorry. this for you. If you give me the con crud. 
I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to give that to you. I really don't. And it didn't start until we were out of vacation. I think it came because the, the you, you found out about the audit and your whole body went, what? Well, what no, I knew it? about I knew about the audit during the during oh, the con. I didn't realize yeah, that. He did. Yeah. Trust me. I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That made it even more like I've got to yeah. keep games in front of me so that I don't have to think about this, you know, this right. terrible thing that's coming, which it doesn't have to be terrible, uh, but it, it's a challenging thing to be prepared for an audit and for people yeah. to look at your files. Yeah. So, um, and certainly last week I burned the candle at both ends trying to get things yeah. done at work that needed to be done. Yes, you did. And so I, I think all that played into my own immune deficiency and my own fact yep. that I've, I've succumbed to this, this evil thing. And there yeah. was also the stress of moving and all that. The yeah. Poisonous kisses. Yeah, I, I suggested to uh, uh, to Matt Leacock and Rob Davio that they make a game, uh, a pandemic game about con crud. I don't know if they'll take me seriously, but I, I, I like <laughs> I like the idea of, of trying to stop Patient Zero at the con from creating uh, a pandemic within the con. That that yeah. that's uh, that it's probably only meaningful to gamers like us. But it's still meaningful. Um, plus, it, as I was saying, it would give you a chance to to kind of like educate people on self-care during a convention, which is maybe not a bad idea because we don't do that. We address it as if the world is going to end when the convention's over. Or at least I did. I got into an obsessive little habit. Um, so, yeah, and they could even make it into a legacy game where you go through a week's worth of convention, and then you all spread out to your places in the U.S. Oh, and spread and then, it all, and then try not to, and then try to control it once it spreads to the rest of the population. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm a problem solver, man. <laughs> Mine is also along with Woody's about self care. Um, I stupidly forgot my blood pressure pills. Mm-hmm. And um, I tried to learn a game while my head was swimming, and it was not a positive effect. <laughs> so um, thank goodness that um, that I, w- I was able to find someone that had the same blood pressure medicine for me and was uh, able to share for the moment till I can get my um, blood pressure refilled. Except but a lower dosage, so it didn't help completely. I know. It was my stup- stupidity. But, no, not stupidity. We both forgot. Yeah. For, forgetfulness is different forgetfulness from... Forgetfulness is different than stupidity. Stupidity. So it's Trust stupidity. me. Trust me. I've got multitudes of forgetfulness. Yeah. But, um, in, and we were trying to learn a game. What game were we trying to re- learn, Brian? Oh, God, I can't remember. Um, it was uh, Clans of Caledonia. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one to have to when your head is pounding and you're trying to learn clans. That's tough. I I, I couldn't get it. Ooh. Brian got it, and I was just like, and then I had to have Cassandra help me through it, and it was just like, okay, we're done with this. No more large games for the moment. But that's same thing as oh, that so, is that when you came back to the room afterward? Yes, I did. And you hung out with me in my sickness. <laughs> um, that was whenever I sent her back to the room. So Ginger and I are in the bedroom together, just just passed out, looking at Facebook, and then passing out together because <laughs> yeah. we're both just yeah. Sick. So so mine is definitely self care. Make sure you take your medicines. Make sure you you do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So really, for a lot of us, maybe the the biggest rolling for change moments were about taking a step back and and taking some self care. Mm-hmm. Now, I I 
I'm the I've said it the last podcast actually, but I'm I'm the biggest proponent of the idea that games are self care. So that that's kind of not in tone with the things that I've said along the way. But here's the deal: anything done with an obsessiveness can be detrimental to your well being. And I addressed that convention with an obsessiveness because I knew that when I got back, I was going to have to go into this terrible audit situation and I was determined to have the best possible time I could and to play with as many people as I possibly could that I wanted to play with, people that I didn't normally see. And you know what? I, I failed a lot of them because I wasn't able to see everybody I wanted to um, or play games with everybody I wanted to. And so that was a sadness. But the people that I did play with, I had a good time with, and I very much enjoyed meeting new people and getting their stories. And I didn't get any stories on you know, on recording, but I do have some leads to, for people to talk to in the future about things that are related to Rolling for Change. But so that was my sort of my my nadir of the con. You know, we talked before about nadir and peak. So I'll move to the other side, which is more on the peak side or more on the this was a really good experience for me. So um, I got to play a D&D role playing game with Brian and my son and some other folks and uh, the gentleman who was running the RPG was a Disney cast member so he had a sense of of theatricality he had a sense of storytelling and he was able to bring this in he made this much more of a storytelling RPG than a battle RPG and that's sometimes what I don't like so much about Pathfinder is because we get so bogged down into let's go kill something else Um, at least at the D&D table, I didn't experience it that way. I experienced it as a chance to explore being another character and explore being another character with other characters. And there was there was one guy at the table who was a really particularly, I would say, dominant fellow, but also a, he wasn't trying to be mean in his dominance. He was just really good at role-playing his character, and he was, he was uh, in, in many ways, I really admired his ability just to shut down everything and become this character. Who knows? Maybe that's who he is in normal life. Uh, but it worked perfect for his character, and so my experience sitting down at that table was nothing but fun. The only the only downside of that whole RPG experience at Dice Tower was that we were in rooms that were loud, and it wasn't always easy to hear each other because there were D and D tables that were just feet away from each other, and it didn't seem like we had the kind of intimacy that I wanted for that situation. But just being able to play with Brian and my son. And, and being able to interact as, uh, I forget what my character was. My character was a, uh, I think he was, uh, he wasn't a bard. He was a, um, was he a priest? Some kind of paladin maybe? Paladin. He was a paladin. He was a paladin. And I played paladins a lot in things like Diablo and such. Um, and so I, I guess maybe there's a character type that I gravitate towards. and it's But it's not usually the one who runs up into battle. It's usually the one who's, who's playing ranged. And, I made conscious decisions in both of these to play someone that I wouldn't normally play in an RPG. Because um, I did play two RPGs. I played one D&D and one Pathfinder. Um, and then the Pathfinder, I chose someone that was more of, I, I think some people refer to him as the tank. Someone who can just go in there and take a lot of hits while everybody else is, is being shielded by him, basically. That's what I tried to do. <clears throat> but that was that was just both of those were just really good experiences and getting to spend time with my son um, 
that you know I, I don't get to play games a lot with my son and it, it's nice when it does happen um sometimes he wants to sometimes he doesn't and that that can be you know i i want more time like that so when it happens i'm i'm very pleased with it yeah that game uh the D game i came in and they said well we don't have a combat monster so one of you guys needs to play a combat monster so woody took the paladin to be the tank and I took the Barbarian to be the fighter. And it ended up being almost 100% roleplay, so they didn't need tanks. Uh-huh. Um, but in the uh, in the Pathfinder game, because I'd played a tank in one, I decided to play something different. And again, they had enough magic users, so I decided to play a rogue. I just picked them up at random, didn't read any of the character stuff, figured whatever character it is, I can play that character. And both of the characters, I read them go at the first one. I said, oh, I'm going to be playing a very um, impulsive barbarian. Okay, I can do that. And everyone kept looking at me like, why are you doing these things? And I explained my character to them like, oh, so you're the one we got to watch out for because you're low intelligence and very impulsive. I said, right. Yep. Um, And they threw some unnatural things at me. And my thing is, I don't like unnatural things. They, They seem like of the devil to me. So I was very impulsive about that. And, of course, they threw that right at me, and I had to react to it. Okay, so let's let's identify that, because that was a really good moment, just, just watching that go down. <laughs> I so did make we, are at, we are at a, a bar, at, at a tavern kind of thing, and our characters are watching these performances, and this guy comes up, and he has these mice, and these, it, these, he's going to conduct these mice. And the DM talked about it as if the the violins and the instruments were stapled to the mice. Now, Brian's character, hearing or seeing this... I was highly offended. Yes. And so he became the champion for the mice. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't have the intelligence or the charisma to really explain to him what was offending me so much. I just grabbed his shoulder and said, we need to talk about this. And the guy got really offended that I was manhandling him. But I'm a barbarian. I manhandle things. I stop you and I talk to you. Or more to the point, talk at you because I have no charisma. All this in the midst of me trying to use what little charisma I had and use what diplomacy I had to try to get this guy to talk to us about something that was really important. But uh, Brian's character has taken on this idea of, no, I've got to defend the mice. Well, I was the first one after him because you guys thought you guys were discussing that you needed to talk to him. And so I, I don't discuss things. I go and do. So I just immediately started taking off. And you guys were like, where's the barbarian going? Oh, crap. Let's follow him. By the time they got in there, I was already in confrontation mode. Yes, we we narrowly avoided a skirmish with this guy. Um, and Narrowly, I, he burned me. <laughs> well, his mice burned you. No, he, so, he burned me. The mice blinded Brandon. Oh, that's right. The, the mice blinded, blinded Brandon. Yes, they threw something at Brandon's face. Um, and then <laughs> this made the barbarian even more angry because now they were false mice. And... <laughs> And it was just, it was a, it was a, it was a comedy of, of errors going on throughout. And it was just, the the story was fantastic. We didn't, we didn't get to play, but maybe two and a half to three hours. Um, But it was just a lot of fun. 
and playing with all those characters was a lot of fun. The thing that was fun for me about the Pathfinder game was I played a guy who was a Blood Rager. And one of the challenges of this Blood Rager in his history on his sheet was that he had um, gone into a blind rage when he was very young and killed all his family members. So, that's already pretty darn heavy. And then we go into a cave and I see this skirmish with, uh, it, it, it's like um, ghosts of, I guess ghosts of dwarves having a fight with one another. And it looked to me, in my state of mind, as if I was having some kind of post-traumatic stress flashback because I was watching people kill their own family members there also. And so I got immensely sad. Actually, everybody in the party got immensely sad. That was just kind of narrated by the dungeon master. Um, but I interpreted that as I am sad because I have just watched something that reminds me of my past. And I tried to incorporate that into the moves that I made and the, the character feeling that I had. And so even if I wasn't able to portray it in an acting way, I was able to sort of take on the emotions and really be in that moment of experiencing this painful moment and trying to, at the same time, defend myself against what was coming up against us. That was a good experience. Yeah, and then my character, I picked up the rogue and read through the character description once I'd already you know, guaranteed I was going to be taking this character. And um, I read the character description, and once again, impulsive character. <laughs> impulsive character who values riches. And here I am in the middle of a museum with lots of very valuable items. And I'm like, Woody and Brandon are going to think I'm the hugest, most impulsive jerk. Oh, God, I wish I'd picked a different character, but they need a rogue. So let's do this. So I try to steal one of the artifacts and the game master is like, you know, you're chaotic. Good. I said, uh, yeah, but they're eating the artifacts and it can go missing very easily. And you made him an impulsive person who values riches. I didn't make this guy this way. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's so good to play a character that doesn't necessarily mesh with the rest of the group. Because how important is that to be playing a role-playing game and to have to deal with the, the personalities that clash and still be a team? I think that's so valuable in terms of, of dealing with the way we express ourselves to one another that I think that little bit of chaos thrown into the mix was really good for all of us. It created more drama in the story. It created more possibility for, quote-unquote, rolling for change. It created a possibility of experiencing things emotionally and and being embedded in the world that we were in. That was meaningful to me. I mean, I viewed my characters being more like Rocket from uh, in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He's a yeah. good guy deep down, but a bit of a jackass, a bit of an impulsive jackass. Still enjoys hurting people. Yeah. Well, he enjoys hurting people who deserve to that be That are hurt. bad guys. That are bad, bad guys. guys. Yeah, right. absolutely. And that I, that's the chaotic good side, right? You, you know, you'll do the right thing, but it's not always for the right reason. Right. And enriching myself while I do the right thing never hurt anyone, even though it kind of <laughs> does sometimes. But yes. we, won't, we won't get into, we won't nitpick over details, right? Right. Those were good moments. Uh, and there were a lot of other good moments I had at the convention, but... Uh, the, the, those the narrative moments like that stood out as meaningful you know I uh, getting to talk to some of the people there and just uh, getting takes on their experience of the convention was meaningful to me also um, 
you know, I got to play the new expansion to Teotihuacan, and even though that game was about four hours long, I still played it with some of my favorite people to play games with, and um, I got to to talk to um, the maker of the the expansion or one of the makers of the expansion. There were there were just a lot of good experiences there at the con that uh, I, I guess my my whole purpose in in doing any of this is to to ask people to come along and join us for a convention. Um, that it's just it was really good. Uh, anything else you guys have that uh, kind of stood out as as meaningful to you during the convention? Ginger had a big birthday that we all. Oh, there's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone turned a significant number. Significant number. Uh, <laughs> you can say it. It's okay. She's half a century old, folks. Oh my god! And what I I'll let Ginger talk for a second, but I do have to say this: my lack of planning ended uh. up making a lot of humor for the situation. It was our lack of planning. No, 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 mine because of the okay. um, because she was making fun of me over the card, and then she was oh, making fun right. of me over yes. her birth, and then she was yes. making fun of me over her birthday cake. Yes, that's true. Oh yeah, um, birthday empanada. <laughs> I was going to yeah. let her tell that story. Yeah, he didn't um, get me a sweet for a birthday cake, but that's okay because I don't like re- regular cake. That's why I didn't. I know, but um, so we put a candle in save the empanada, but my husband also forgot the the lighters for the yeah. candle. <laughs> yeah, forgot a lighter. I so do. I had to pretend to <laughs> blow them out. <laughs> and then the card was passed around in front of Ginger. I didn't. I didn't know who was going. I didn't know who was going to make it ahead of time. <laughs> so, so we all were signing it while we're chatting with her. That's my husband. <laughs> so, my intentions are good. And they were. you know what? I downloaded a a candle app on my phone, True. and I let her. Bl- I let her blow out her candles at the con. True. Hey, and there he even go. remembered to get the card. Yes, so, hey, that is true. Oh, we had a very delicious Venezuelan dinner. Oh, yeah, that was so really good. tasty. I, I would like. That. I would like to point out that in my brain, I knew that her birthday was at the con- the convention, but we were at a convention the previous weekend too. Mm-hmm. So I went out and bought the card and the candles and um, a bunch of mini cup, mini uh, cupcakes. I think they were, and brought them to the first convention we went to. Oh. <laughs> and as soon as I got there, I looked down at the cupcakes, looked up at the con and said, dice tower con idiot. <laughs> Dice Tower Con, not this one, because I did. Because it's not that I don't remember when her birthday is. It's that I'm a teacher on summer break, and my week, my days, and my dates have gotten mixed up, yeah. so I can't remember what day is what. So as soon as I got there, I was like, "July third is next week." Oh God! So yeah. I just, I just gave the treats to the people at that convention. Just I put them in the, I put them I was in the snack room. Wondering what happened to those mini cupcakes? I don't remember seeing them. Yeah, if you went to the snack room, you saw them mm. briefly. Briefly, camera I'm sure pans they were to Brian in like... suddenly in tears, just kind of putting cupcakes out on the table. And, oh, I can't believe. I and then locusts coming and going. <laughs> yeah, locusts eat, yeah, eating exactly. all of the cupcakes. Yeah, and of course, um, and of course, I then I forgot. To, yeah, then of course I forgot to 
get them to when we went to Dice Terracon. Because <laughs> I didn't know where any grocery store was there. So I figured we're going to go to a restaurant. They have desserts. I'll get her something. Yeah. And this this place only had flan for dessert. And guess who doesn't like flan? Yeah. Me. I was well, like, but yeah. she loves empanadas. So. Chickly. And oh, she, it was very good. The empanada empanadas was were <laughs> awesome. She was like, oh, my God, you put candles in empanada. That's so sweet. I said, and I forgot candles. So, you know, and no one at the restaurant, no one of our friends as a smoker, no nope. one at the entire restaurant had a match or lighters. And I was like, all right, on the plus side, no one in this entire place that I can find as a smoker bonus. And number two, dang it, I didn't bring a freaking lighter. <laughs> <laughs> it was very sweet, and I was very happy to have my big 50th birthday party with all my friends. That was fun. That was a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah. I think it was also fun for Ginger. Uh, a mission was accomplished. You played Rococo. Oh, oh yes. yes. It took forever to get this game. Um, I checked out of the library, that is. And... Um, there is well, no. This started last con. Yes, this yes started it did. last dice hour con. You should start with that story because somebody had it for three days. Yep, and they oh, and they did the shaming over the intercom to yep. this person. <laughs> yes, this is an announcement that Rococo has been out over twenty four hours now. Oh no, they named her. They named her by name. Oh, they too. named her. I didn't realize oh, yeah. they named yes. her. They oh, do yeah. that. They do that every single time. They make a shaming making oh, yeah, shaming thing, and the entire game room at once as one person just goes boo. boo. Oh yeah, because I'm sorry, but you're that. First of all, Rococo is no longer in print. So you can't buy this game anymore, except for if you find a copy from somebody used. And they, they have no intentions of doing the reprint. Right. Yeah, I emailed the company that said there's no plans and no intentions right. of ever doing okay. it again. Okay, now I'm going to go on a deviate on this one. Um, <laughs> on We looked at Amazon. Amazon is $400 for mm-hmm. the game. Okay. But I ran into another friend. He said he went on the Amazon.de Mm. website and they have it spelled um instead of c's with with k's and that's the version that uh renee has yes yes yes. and that's the reason why she has the different version because it's cheaper it's cheaper and it's ran about it comes to run about u.s dollars it's run about 89 dollars u.s dollars which is not bad but then you have to pay for shipping for us mm-hmm. so it's gonna run you almost around about a hundred dollars for the game right but it's right now i can't pull the trigger because um around about three of our friends have it mm-hmm. and if i want to play it i can play it but every time they said oh i'll teach you i'll teach you and it just never happened they never the they forget to bring the game and then they never they never do well things have happened it's been yeah. a little crazy and everything and so um i was able to do it we Somebody from New York, right? Taught us. Yeah. So what happened was Ginger got the game finally. Um, so she and I sat down and we were going to just start teaching ourselves because I'd played it once. So I kind of remembered it a little bit, but I needed to, to refresh myself. So we were going to just start. And then this couple walks by our table and says, oh, you got Rococo. 
because apparently it's very in demand. And we were like, yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm so sad. We were we were looking for it so that we could play it again. And we looked at them and said, do you want to sit down and play it with us? And can you teach it? And she was like, oh, absolutely. I can teach it. And so they sat down with us and proceeded to teach us the game and then wiped the floor with us. Yes. <laughs> both of them lapped the both of us. It was it was pretty sad, but it was such a fun game. I, I, I remember why I liked it. Yeah, I I played it once around about, it's had to be at least six years, five yeah. or six years ago. And I remember I liked it, but mm-hmm. I I wanted to replay it to see if I wanted to buy the game. I had no clue it was out of reprint. It, I mean, it was out of print. And um, so it's about making dresses. Mm-hmm. And, For the royal court. Yes. And there's about, it's about, um, um, Putting your after you make the dress, putting it into certain rooms, and you get bonus points for display, display. or you can sell it to get money. Yeah, either way, because money's tight in that game. Yes, it is, and it's it's about going to get fabric, and it's about getting silk, and and then you have cards which give you which are apprentice, um, apprentice, and then tailors, and then master Master tailors. Uh, and so those cards will only do specific things for you. So you have to, and, and you do it kind of deck building style where you deal out three cards for yourself that you can use during the next round. Um, but then every time you buy a card, it goes into your, it can go into your hand to play that round. And then, but then you can, you keep starting each round with three cards, but then the more you buy, the more you have to play for that round. So it's this whole interesting concept. But you're also getting ready for a royal ball or whatever. So you're buying decorations for the ball and fireworks for the ball, which are multipliers. And it's just a very interesting. And you're vying for majority in all these rooms. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it was very fun. It's it's a very fun game. And there's a lot of different kinds of strategies you can employ. Yeah. We had a great time. Yeah. So that was, but that was fun because I got to watch Ginger finally get to play the game that she's been trying to get to the table for like over a year or so. And we we met some pretty good people. Yes, we did, and they were very sweet. And I have no idea what their names were. I can't remember them now. I can remember the Florida couple, but I can't remember the the New York couple. I have to think about it. Yeah, they were from Syracuse, Buffalo, Buffalo or Syracuse, something like that. There was like upstate New York, but I can't remember their names now. But so that was a lot of fun. All right, so speaking of game quests, and, and this is, I guess, a rolling for change moment because I I, um, I don't even know that I feel comfortable talking about this, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, so I think I've mentioned on here before that I have this love affair with this this uh, very old game called Dark Tower. Uh, Dark Tower was a game from my childhood, very important. It was Milton Bradley at the time, one of the first electronic <coughs> games and one of the first games you could play electronically by yourself. Um, Restoration Games is remaking this game. I think I've mentioned this before on the show. So I learned that there was someone, and I thought it was Rob Davio, there was someone at Dice Tower Con who was um, playtesting the game. And so I was so excited. I texted him and I said, no, I didn't text him. I, you know, I tweeted to him, said, I'd love to play this. Please let me get into this next playtest. He said, yes, I'll be happy to do that. I'm going to be here at this time. I said, okay, great, I'll be there. <clears throat> so he gets there much later than I expected, and we're in Spider-Man by the time he arrives. So during the time I'm watching Spider-Man, far from home, they're playing the game. All right, 
So I said, I'm so sorry I missed this. Uh, Please let me know next time. Sure, I'll ping you in the morning, he says. So I wait in the morning to see when he's going to ping. He never pings, and I get into a game. Sure enough, as soon as I get into a game, just two tables away, it's being played by people, not me. And I, I told the people that I was playing the game with, please hold on, i got to go over here and, and check this out. So I went over and I looked, and, and I talked to the guy. It wasn't Rob Davio after all. Um, and I said, please let me know when this happens again. And sure enough, when it happened again, it was a time I couldn't get there. So my quest to play the Dark Tower <laughs> just did not happen. And I felt just like completely beat down by this quest because I was determined to be a voice in the playtesting of this game. And it did not work out. Um, if you are part of Restoration Games and you're listening, um, I wish I could have made it. <laughs> I really do. Ah. Okay, just quick takes. Um, played Crusaders for the first time and loved it. Didn't expect to because it's a game about the Crusades. But it was a great area control game and I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to thank Brian for teaching us. Which game I got to play with people. I don't. Crusaders. Yes. One of my favorites. Which, you know, I will be done. We still need a rematch, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea I was going to enjoy that so much. Hmm. I want to point out, Ginger, that you might have a thing for games with royalty in it because we played Royal Palace, and that was my first time playing Royal Palace. But you seem to want to make an impression on royal families. Had a great time with Royal Palace. That was a lot of fun. Um, talked about Taya to walk, and uh, the new expansion is uh, got it. Just adds more meat to an already crunchy system, so you can kind of understand why there was a four-hour game in play. Oh yeah, it was a long game, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it too. Um, played the Gollum edition edition of Century Spice Road, which uh, I think the Gollum edition is much better. I like it a lot. Um, And I got to play that with my son and Susie, and that was fantastic. Um, Played Discoveries, which is the Lewis and Clark dice rolling game. Um, And I don't think I enjoy it near as much as I enjoy the actual we're going to race like snails game version uh, of Lewis (laughs) and Clark. The original version. Yeah. It was fun, but it wasn't wasn't my favorite experience. Um, Well, I didn't teach it very well, unfortunately. Well, you did fine. It was just a matter of us uh, getting things together. Played Expansity, which is a great uh, like uh, city planning game, which was a lot of fun. Uh, played that with just some random people that I had never met before, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, this is a game where it's, it's almost got a suburbia feel. It's almost got a Mad King Ludwig feel. But you're building up rather than across, and you're uh, you're trying to build bigger buildings if you're trying to do skyscrapers. But you might want to try to build a skyscraper that's connected to a park, or to make sure that a park is connected to both a business building, like a mall, and also a police station. So that was a lot of fun because we're all four trying to vie for these. Same, you know, we have secret goals and we have public goals, and we're all trying to vie for the secret goals while working on the public goals. So that was a lot of fun. That's expansity. Um, favorite find of the con was a game called Vinyl. 
Vinyl is a fantastic little game about collecting vinyl records. Something just up my alley. You're welcome. <laughs> um, the the artwork on this game is perfect. You're you're trying to go to a record store and buy uh, albums, and of course they didn't have any rights to use actual albums, but that made it even more fun because they made fake albums, a bunch of fake albums by a bunch of fake bands, um, and uh, they just did a really great job of creating a set collection game that was themed around collecting vinyl. And I look forward to getting that one back to the table because I, I bought it as soon as I saw it. And uh, then later a friend came and gifted me every expansion that exists, which just kind of blew me away. But I'm looking forward to getting it back to the table. Um, and I did have a really good time playing with this little girl and her father, um, playing Six Nymphed and Texas Showdown. A uh, little girl couldn't have been, I think she was 11. Um, and she was just really into the con. She was really having a good time. And uh, I feed off kids probably more than I do off of adults. And her her uh, her enthusiasm for playing games was just kind of infectious, and it made it a lot of fun to play games with her. So there you have it. Those are my final takes uh, on uh, games I got to play. There were, there were a lot of good games I got to play. Um, but just trying to pick the ones that had the most impact on me as a whole. So overall, my Dice Tower experience, yeah, I got sick. Yeah, I got obsessed, and I sometimes breezed through a con that I didn't want to breeze through. Um, But I really had some good experiences, hung out with some good friends, and spent some quality time with people that I really love. And that was what it was all about for me. For me, it wasn't so much games that I played. I had a great time playing games. Um, I enjoyed teaching Six Nymphed to that uh, that same little girl and her dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, blew me away because her dad looked like it could have been her her older brother. It looks yeah. so freaking young. Um, but I think my favorite gaming moment was um, uh, Dave Skoog, who has been on the show before, a friend of the show. Um and I were walking through and we both just homed in on vinyl and we both looked at it and looked at each other and looked back at the game. And we both said at the same time in perfect stereo, Woody, <laughs> Woody needs to see this game. And really whenever we, whenever I showed it to him and he just, his eyes just lit up and he ended up just grabbing the game and we took it back and, I had already done the research on Board Game Geek and it sounded like it was up his alley. But as anyone who's played board games knows, just because it sounds like it's up your alley doesn't mean the execution is going to be good. True. True. And so we sat down to learn this game and the whole time I'm praying, please, God, let me be right. Please, God, let me be right. (laughs) This was a lot of money. This is a lot of money to spend on one game. And Dave had already, you know, messaged to say, how is he liking it? And because he was worried about it, too. And after we finished the game and what he liked, I was like, oh, thank God. It was just this weight off my shoulders of, okay, we made a good decision. Because <laughs> the theme was like, there is nothing about this game I don't think what he would like. Because along with playing the game, we and we all enjoyed reading the album covers and the, the um, album names and the band names and trying to puzzle out exactly which band and album they were trying to spoof. <laughs> Yep. And that was like a, a good um, one-eighth of the fun of the game was just figuring this out and failing in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, and I think as the game, as we get more aware of the rules of the game, it, it, it looks like it's a fairly simple game, but the explanations in the rule book were not as um, easy for me to break down as I thought they would be. I'm also not the best at reading spontaneously and then, then following up with a game right in that moment. So I know that that's my weakness, but um, I think once you get past the mechanics and understanding the mechanics, I think the game's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm looking for there were like five different expansions, and and each one is you know related to different eras or different types of music. There's one for metal. There's one for pop. There's one for I, I don't remember what else, but that masters of metal. Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff. Um, so I, I and it's funny because they even used like the uh, they used the font of bands that I knew really well, and so I could tell what they were mimicking, but I couldn't. You know, you can't say that it's Black Sabbath. You can't say that it's AC, ACDC. But you can say, here's this album by this this fake band that we've created, but it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. This is ACDC. It was great. I, I, was really, uh, I was really pleased with that. So anyone else, final thoughts for our experience at Dice Tower? I had a realization that I think I'm just obsessed with Viking games. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because I went and played Raiders of the Northwest. North Sea. Raiders North of the North, North Sea. sea. That. And though Ginger did not enjoy it, I did. I just, it was just not my my forte. <laughs> it, it was more of on your left. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved it. Loved it. Um, I loved the whole theme of it and the way that it functioned and all of it. So I've, I realize now that because one of my f- absolute favorites is Champions of Midgard, which is a Viking game. And I love the game Vikings. And I just realized that I have a thing for Viking games. <laughs> so, yeah. And you have a thing for Thor. So, hey, that works. I do have a thing for Thor. He is, well, Loki, actually. But, yeah. <laughs> Still, I love Norse mythology, so yeah, I guess that's all part of the same thing. It's all connected. Yes. So that's not really a very rolling for changey realization, but still, it is something. Uh, it's, more of a, it's more of a duh. Yeah. <laughs> Susie likes berserkers. Susie likes berserkers. I do. <laughs> and that goes all the way back to Talisman 10, 15 years ago, so... I guess I've had this love of Viking stuff for a long time. There's something we've been meaning to talk to you about, Susie. <laughs> it's an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode has just been leading up to this intervention moment. <laughs> Susie, we need to talk to you about Viking games. <laughs> we need to talk about your obsession with bad boys like Loki. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it seems all glamorous right now, but you're going to get hurt in the end. We care about you so much, and we want you to put that game down. <laughs> never, never. You have to pull it off with my cold, dead hands. That can be arranged. Well, no, that would kind of beat the point of the intervention, Brian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you just got to kill somebody, you really don't need to intervene. That's true. Or that is the intervention. Death. The greatest in the intervention. 
<laughs> well, now now I want to play champions in Midgar. I knew that was coming. I just felt it in my head. <laughs> All right. So I hope that what we've done here is given you a taste of Dice Tower Con. I hope that you uh, join us next year for or, uh, Dice Tower Con or whatever convention shows up at the Royal Carib Hotel. Um, however this works out. You know, I wish the best to everybody involved. I wish they stayed together because I think that the con they put on was fantastic. But there are certainly things that I don't know that go on behind the scenes that determine what direction people are taking. And uh, all things have to end at some point, depending on, you know, what the creators want. So um, I, I, I'll let people have their change moments and let people move in their own directions. But I hope that we have inspired you to join us for a convention because I would be very happy to, whether I'm obsessed or not, play a game with a listener at a convention and uh, all you have to do is chase us down and we'll be happy to play. So, um, if you would like to get in touch with us at Rolling for Change, here are the outlets you can do so in. The first is we are a part of the Geek Therapy Network. And you can react to our episodes at forum.geektherapy.com. That is a place where you can get more in-depth with our discussions, um, offer your own reflections, and uh, continue the conversation that we're trying to create on Rolling for Change. If you want a little more spontaneous experience, you can go to geektherapy.com forward slash discord. That's our discord server. Um, You can go on there to geek out about any particular thing that's going on in your life. And you will find a supportive community of really great people. I can't stress enough that it's a lot of fun to be involved in this group. We tweet at at gamers, uh, at, at, no at at uh, hmm, sorry at roll for change on Twitter, um, and and been trying to kind of create more Twitter activity of late. And I, I pray that that continues for me, and and maybe we'll get other people from our group here to tweet on that Twitter line as well. Um, and finally, you can write us, gamers at rollingforchange.com. That is the place to send us an email, suggest episode ideas, talk to us about coming onto the show. Anything that's related to building us as Rolling for Change, you can go there. And as stated, if you want to send all of us on an all-expenses trip to uh, all expenses paid trip to Essen Game Fair. We'll be happy to report from there and let you know that we're having a good time. <laughs> Alright guys, thank you so much for uh, for talking to me about Dice Tower. I look forward to our next, next discussion in the very near future. And to the rest of you, keep on rolling for change. Well, that's it. You guys are not going to say anything there at the end. Just all kind of just Sorry. Nothing. Just left me hanging. <laughs> it sounded official. Tag. Yeah, you did a good tagline. I yeah. know I did. Usually Brian puts some kind of little something on the end there. Oh, well. It's done. We've rolled for change. I decided to let you have your moment. <laughs> so shut your whore mouth. Hey. Have my moment. There's your tagline. Shut your whore mouth. There you go. That's not going to be our tagline. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening and shut your whore mouth. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> You've been listening to Rolling for Change, a proud member of the Geek Therapy Network. If you want to geek out and do good, stop by network.geektherapy.com to learn more about our podcasts and discussions. If you want to discuss this episode, geek out over recent events, and chat with like-minded folks from all over the world, stop by geektherapy.com forward slash discord to join our community. To suggest show ideas or join us on our podcast, write gamers at rollingforchange.com. If you like our theme music, this is a song called Galileo from Rocket Scientists. Check out all of their great keyboard-driven AOR prog over at bandcamp.com. Finally, please do us a big favor. If you're enjoying our show, please spread the word. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever platform you capture podcasts with. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and keep on rolling for change. <laughs>